With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. They might talk about humor, music, film, books, football, and box sets, exercise, and maybe even food. Trivia and sports, politics and health. Sometimes well-being too On the life with Brian On the life with Brian Hello to you, a warm welcome. It's Mark here, uh, and hello to you, of course, Chucky. How are you? I am, well, most excellent, but I've got a bit of a cold, but I won't mention it too many times. I'm not Matthew. Okay, well, speaking of Matthew, how are you, sir? I'm fighting fit. Unlike Brian, I'm not going to moan. I'm, uh, I'm feeling good. I didn't say I was moaning about it. I just says I won't mention it too many times, unlike you. Well, that's twice already, so uh, I'm keeping count. <laughs> um, and as well as the, our regulars, of course, we've got a special guest with us. Uh, and I'm pleased to introduce four-time snooker world champion, legend of the Green Bays, the wizard of Wishore himself, John Higgins. John, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, probably, uh, you know, good. Just enjoying the sun up here in Scotland. Uh, just enjoy that. So, John, thanks for thanks for inviting me. Uh, well, before we crack on, uh, we gave ourselves darts nicknames when we had Manny on a while back, didn't we? Um, I wonder if any of us can conjure up anything to match John's moniker of the Wizard of Wishaw. Uh, I'm going to go first. Uh, and anyone that's actually seen me pot a ball would testify that I am the Duke of Fluke. Now, Matthew... What have you come up with uh, to describe yourself? Well, it's not so much what I've come up with. I think um, Brian's come up with a couple of nicknames for me in the past, haven't you, Brian? Uh, Jehovah was one when we uh, first worked together, unoriginally. Um, but then he did he did actually come up with a, a snooker-related... Uh, that was a, a ball game. Yeah. More, more pool, but... A, 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 we were famously played pool in uh, Houston. I think we've mentioned... Long-time listeners will know about this story, but... Um, Brian, I wouldn't say he cheated, but um, he played dirty. You did, did, did say I cheated, John. I did. I did accuse him of cheating, and yeah, I had to with, cheated, an accusation. I withdrew um, sometime later, but um, I don't remember. Yeah, you played. <laughs> he you played dirty in order to take ten dollars off me, which he still keeps in. <laughs> he still keeps in his wallet to taunt me whenever he sees me. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, I was thinking maybe something like the gentleman, seeing as I'm I'm, I'm such a honest and. Uh, decent upstanding uh, player unlike Brian but he actually met Chris and me Minnesota that day is in uh, Minnesota slim wasn't it Brian no the other way Minnesota uh, fats <laughs> <laughs> club called Minnesota fats as a good club in there a lot of good friends uh, in Glasgow so same name good name yeah so it's going to be Matthew Minnesota Chris I think and uh yeah, maybe maybe the gentleman thrown in there as well, just to remind Brian about his, his dirty tricks in in Houston. <laughs> and what was Brian's? What was your nickname, Brian? Well, I, I looked all through all the nicknames, and I, thought, I was killing myself laughing at some of them. So there's a lot of mentioning of um, of winds and strong winds. 
So, and I thought, well, and a lot of them are related to uh, to alliteration. So I came up with uh, two different ones, different ways. I've got a Brian Monsoon Malabar McLear. Right? When it, Monsoon Malabar is a way that, uh, of drying coffee beans. Right, so that was an obscure thing. But the other one I came up with was a kind of playing words was uh, the chocolate cannon. <laughs> Before we get onto amusements, Brian, uh, I just want to have a quick um, check with you. What, what are your thoughts about uh, Ronaldo going back to Manchester United? And this is for you as well, John. Um, the other thing, thing in the news in football this week, it's been a bit of a mixed week for, for Celtic. We'll have to wait and see what happens with Ronaldo. There's been a lot of excitement about it. Um, uh, it's going to be quite a different experience than when it was when he came uh, the first time as a young player and went on to develop into the, the great football player that, that he is. Um, but uh, I'm very hoping that he's going to... He, he's had a very positive impact so far. Uh, but it's all down to performances on the pitch, isn't it? And uh, look forward to when that is uh, going to happen. Hopefully it'll be a, a positive influence uh, in the dressing room and on the, on the training pitch and be a talisman or another talisman in, on the uh, during the games. Um, I think that well, my comment about Celtic is that I think they played very well in the first half at Ibrox, comfortably the better team, more possession. And they had, they created the, the best chance of, of the game. Unfortunately, it fell to Watson Edward, who um, I think um, was thinking about B before he was thinking about A. So I think he, he thought the ball was it, was, it was a goal. I think he was celebrating. That happens quite a lot in team sports. And I think that's why I'm trying to think that also because of, of the distraction that's now been, been made clear, it's now clear of, of, of where his future was going to be. I think he's... he's He's played and he's played reasonably well for Celtic over the last 13 months, but I think his um, mind has been on a move for a considerable period of time. That's been settled now. Uh, hopefully, the, now the, the squad settled and Poster Coglu can get on with the, the plans he has, in, he has in place. Brian, just before we go any further, in, on the Ronaldo thing, I mean, was were you there? Were you involved at the club when he was there first time around? I mean, is he yeah, I was you've, there on the coaching staff, but I wasn't. I, yeah, yeah. But I mean, is he somebody you've you come across as a as an individual, as a human being? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a good. Yeah, yeah. I think he's a, a cracking lad, and he's a he's a wonderful professional in what he does. But he's always done. I mean, he, he's one of the things. If you look at um, comparisons to some players that about at the same time. He would always, um, he would take his holidays, but he would take a, a fitness coach away with him. So that not only was he doing his, his sunbathing part and, and but other leisure activities, he still worked hard when he was away. He's one of the earliest ones that I've known to have his own chef that cook, came in to cook him uh, sports food at home. So I think he's always had an idea in his head of that he wanted to stay in as a, a professional footballer for as long as he possibly could. And I think he's reaping the benefits of that now. Uh, I wouldn't be considering his biological age. I would just look at the how fit, how fit and well he is. What a gig that would be, eh, being taken away on holiday with Ronaldo. It wouldn't have happened in your day. I can't imagine you taking the fitness coach to Blackpool or wherever you would have gone on your uh, jollies. Yeah, but I can cook, though. That's well, true. I'd rather take anybody, you know. So uh, Very true. I can vouch for that. Do you take a chef and a trainer with you, John? No, no, just the wife, just the <laughs> wife. But hey, I was going to just ask Brian there. Where would you class him there? You're talking about the Panthers, all the greats, and Brian. Obviously, you played with a lot at Man United, and a lot of saying him and Messi. But where would you class him in that well, regard? Well, I mean, I, I, my my old time great will never change, and for me, that's purely because that's sort of kind of that's the age I am. You've got after you know, got several different ones like that, Maradona, Messi. But if you're talking about comparison, if somebody asked me a question at the moment and said, should make a choice, uh, Messi or, or Ronaldo, I would choose Messi because I think that Messi's a, a, a player that, uh, that uh, I think that over the over his career, even though the, the stats might indicate that, I think Messi has been more, it's always been more of a team player and will adapt to the circumstances 
of the players and teams around them. Um, so I would say, I would always pick Messi. And I like the the pedals we can be Messi is that that as much as Ronaldo has got a wonderful physique, six pack, whatever else, as I quite like the idea that Messi can continue to mesmerise people and have maybe not even a two pack, you know, maybe actually even a bit of a a muffin top. So <laughs> I would always choose Messi. <laughs> What were your thoughts on Celtic, John? And I understand you're a you're a big fan, and I'm, I'm assuming you probably watched Chucky as a player when you're growing up as well. Yeah, Brian, he, he was one of uh, that's what I, was, I was over at my mum's last night, and I was trying to look through some pictures of the story. I, I get my picture taken me and my older brother Jason, which Brian know, knows Jason pretty well. Uh, that we got a picture taken. Uncle Matt was from uh, Carney in New Jersey. Oh, so, yeah. He uh, he was like one of the I think he was one of the the committee men or the the president of the Cam Celtic Supporters Club, and every time he came back to Glasgow, he obviously like, knew me and Jason we were now big big fans, so he took us in, and he got his pictures taken with, with Brian and Paul and Willie McStay and Mark Reed, Roy Aiken, uh, at, at the front of the old building before before obviously the. The, the new stadium at the front was built, and we've got the we've got the pictures to prove it. So no, I, I was I was Brian is always one of my my big heroes. I think when Brian was talking about Pele and things like that, the other thing that resonates with you when you're younger that my heroes were like the likes of Brian and Paul McStay and, and all that. Nowadays, you, the, the players, I think it's just when you're younger that you just you'll just always look up to these people. So uh, yeah. Roy Aiken and, and the Celtic stars of yesteryears, they, they were my heroes. But the present day, just now, yeah, obviously the COVID situation last year, it was just a horrible situation for everyone. And it was just, it probably came at the wrong time for Celtic to try and get that loss of 10 in a row. But they probably wouldn't have got there with the team that they had last year, the whole disarray, everything that's happening. Uh, and you think Edward last year, there, there was talk that, that Edward was nearly out the door last year and it was Ivan Tony that was coming in to replace him. And you'd have thought that was probably, that would have been a better deal because it looked as if Edward's head's just not been in it all year. Because he, he, he is your best player. Uh, and obviously he's away now. Uh, so, no, it's tough to take. And Rangers have got the Indian sign over us just now. Uh, without a shadow of a doubt, that I think it's it's in the, the back of every player's mind that they're they're going on the pitch. Even Rangers are probably going on the pitch thinking we can't lose this game, and I think the Celtic players are maybe going on thinking we're going to have to do something special to win this game. Uh, and it's psychological in, in a lot of sports, so that's what I think is happening right now with the Glasgow derby. Um. Uh, on your Wikipedia page, it says you've got a little fancy for Everton. Is that right? Listen, I, I was a massive Man United fan. Uh, I, I don't know. It, it just Man United was always my team. The, the strip was always. I think it was before Brian. It was the eighty-five strip. I was. I had. I always remember Gordon Stratton playing with Norman Whiteside when when they beat Everton. I think they stopped Everton doing their their treble back in the eighty-four or the eighty-five. I think it was, but. My, my older brother was always Everton daft. He was always he was really friendly with a lot of scousers and they used to come up and stay at our house and different things. So obviously Celtic was first and foremost to love. But then I went down to the 94 and 95, 94 cup final, Brian, was it when Everton beat his 1-0? 95, yeah. 95. And I was down, I was down for the weekend. I was filming a, a, an episode of Big Break and me and Jason had tickets for the cup final and on the, the Friday night I met a lot of the Scousers and then I went to the game with them on the Saturday and it just became all camaraderie. It, 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 it was as if they were they were like they were like Glaswegians as well. And I went to the game and obviously they were all Everton fans and ever since then I've I've always had a liking for, for Everton. Fantastic. So, you uh, you and Jason are welcome anytime on this show. Yep. So, Mark was looking worried there as a staunch Evertonian. He was looking worried there, and then you dug yourself out of a big hole. Right? Basically, you know, those teams. Can I just confirm in a very, very amiable way that Jason is daft? <laughs> <laughs> 
Absolutely, I'll second that. <laughs> Twenty-nine years you've been a professional snooker player, I believe. Now coming up to your thirty, becomes pro at seventeen. As Mark said earlier, you've won four world titles. But what I would really like to know is, and this is the thing that I've, I've gleaned from all this research I've been doing after, over the last three months on you, is have you learned to pack your own suitcase yet? <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't think so. No, I think my mum always done it for me, and then the wife will not let me go down to tournaments now with me packing it. She's always got to have it all ironed and different things. But so, how, do you, how do you know you've got your favourite waistcoat in it though? How, do you, how does that all get decided? Do you just sit there and tell her what to put in it and she puts it all in? What do you... That's exactly, I just put everything on the bed and I say, so can you put that in for me? <laughs> and what do you, is it the same part of the after that? What do you do when you come back then? Do you just throw it all in? Just die, just get it in the washing basket upstairs. <laughs> and she manages to get, get it all ready for the next time you get away. So <laughs> how many waistcoats would you take on a on a trip to a tournament? Do you have like one in the reserve or do you have one for each day? Or I mean, what's your, your routine? Uh, I would just, just take the one. I've, I've got a few, but I would just take the one. And it is it's actually, believe it or not, it, it, it's a cursed old waistcoat because that, that that really tells you what you've been doing with your life and when you're eating. <laughs> is, there not a, is there not a thing in the back of waistcoats for adjusting them, though? Is that not part of the beauty of it? Uh, no, we're the ones that I get made in China. <laughs> you just undo another button, <laughs> That's what it is, because we, we, we've been going to uh, tournaments in China for so many years that they, we, we all know it's probably a lot quicker and maybe a lot cheaper to get things made in the Far East than it is here. Uh, and every time you go out there, I would always just put my waistcoat in to get to get new waistcoats made because you, you give you give a lot to charity, different things and sign waistcoats at the end of the year and you get new ones made. And I would be going to China every year and I would just be getting it made an inch, a little bit bigger, and then this is the following fill <laughs> up. And I wasn't actually seeing how maybe big I was getting. Uh, so that's it. I'm, I'm blaming. I'm blaming like traveling to the far east and getting new waistcoats made that to, to go up with the size I was in the last few years. I saw that. I don't know if this is right or not, but I'm going to assume it is that one of the things you like to the, you like are watches. And relating to that, do you get your watches from Moncock or do you buy <laughs> antique ones? I've never been one. I've never been big ones for watches buying. Not I mean, but but. Uh, some of the watches out there are nah, they're stunning. You, you're, you're spending a lot of money just for just for the fake ones. So it's I've done for the watches. The last nah. the last time I was in Moncock, I was in there with some colleagues when I was working at United, and I, I had I had this. One of the guys found out that he could bet he could get better stuff from a certain place, and they had a telephone call to meet some person, and uh, we met this guy, and he took us all over around backwards and forwards and I'm a shit myself thinking this guy's like we're going to we're going to get mugged here you know it's an afternoon point and I've got to get mugged and I ended up taking us up this doorway stairway and came in this big door rattled on this big door and it was a big massive big steel door opened and then we went and they had apparently this stuff in here it was better snide that you can get on the street you know so it's quite a relief to me that I won't get mugged you know but I couldn't wait to get out and when I came back out some of my other colleagues were, were haggling you know because apparently somebody told me you got to haggle in these places and I said what are you doing so we've got we're, we're doing some we're battering over some watches you know and I said I says but you're battering over 13 pence just give them the fucking money give them more money you know this is these people whatever it is they're doing having to survive you're fucking trying to take 13 pence off them are you going to name any of these uh, tight individuals Brian or not uh, Kept <laughs> it's like the life of Brian seen isn't it? Now that is your yeah. had a few shekels, so but no, it's true. It's as if that's the thrill of it. Now that they they, they enjoy it as well. Just I suppose to pass their time as well, I suppose. So yeah, I, was, I, I was embarrassed for them, you know, 13 pence. It'd be different if it was 13 pounds, but not with 13 pence. 
Nah, easy place. I said the uh, there's you know, the daft things that you pick up on the Tinter web as well. There's some other kind of thing that because you're a celebrity, so you're in this website thing, telling you lots of different things about you. You know, um, how tall you are, your waist size, and all that kind of thing. Which is, I think, you'd be quite happy for because it said it was thirty four. So, but it, but one of the things that made me was I was pissing myself laughing at earlier today was it says hair color and it said. <laughs> Salt and pepper, right? And then in brackets, half bald. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was really unfair because I would say, I, I like to think of the things in a positive way the other way around, and I like to think you were half hairy. <laughs> well, my two brothers, they, 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 they've went totally bald. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I need to whip it off. I still think I'm holding on to a little bit. No, just no, now. no, no. I'm just saying it's like, I would say that that is something to be celebrated, not the other way around, you know. I think you should go onto that website and complain. What website's that? Wikipedia? No, I, no, it wasn't that one. There's oh, some, other, some other thing that was even more famous than Wikipedia that I can't remember. I tried to think where you do this research, Brian. You do you come out with some nuggets for all our guests. I know, and I've got I, no I idea know. where you... Well, you know, it's, yeah, well, the, yeah, no, well, I don't know, but sometimes you do the same things that I used to do, was make things up, you know, so I think maybe John at his time has made things up, and they've, they've now appeared as fact in, in, the, in the Tinder web, you know, it's like uh, I found another kind of thing, so oh, I don't know, definitely, I don't know, it's, according to some other thing that's, um, down in, in, in or under your name and another kind of thing is that you must be a big fan of Harry Potter because your two favourite actors uh, according to this site is uh, Daniel Ratcliffe and Emma Watson I've never, I've never seen any of the films now Harry Potter films never seen no, one no, there, there were books as well you know you must have read a book before I've never read any of the Harry Potters no I, I'm, I, I'm amazed because I love like Lord of the Rings and you know, Game of Thrones and all the different things, but I've never read one Harry Potter book. Or, well, it's, they... out, it's out there now, another smear. <laughs> <laughs> Your favourite actor is Daniel Ratcliffe. You're going to have to check your sources, Brian. I think. No, I'm just saying that's what it was. I didn't, I didn't look up myself. I might look up things like that, you know. Just that when you, you, you've got to go away, you're away. I don't know how often you're away. John, but you're away, and I know a lot of the time you're away, depending on on your your how well you're participating in, in particular tournaments. But what I was you know, really interested in is what do you do with your spare time? You know, do, do you read? Do you play video games? Um, do you do any writing? Do you watch a lot of reruns of Dallas? Um, you know. What do you, what kind of thing? I know you like poker, and I assume that's right. Is that right, poker, or is that another made-up thing? No, there, there was a point, Brian, I think it maybe about, maybe about 10 years ago or something. Every day we'd be moving away on the tour with the poker sets and with the cards, and we'd, we'd, we'd play we'd play most nights. And it got, like, it got a little bit addictive now, playing those sort of things. I've not, I've not played in years. I've not, not played the poker in years. No, I, I like a lot. I, I like reading a lot now when I go away. Uh, just like my Kindle and different things, a whole, a whole range of things. It could be fiction, it could be autobiographies, it could be anything really, uh, just whatever takes my fancy. Because it is, it's, it's born, it's born and it's, it's and you've you've got you've got a few mates on the tour as well. Probably most most of the Scottish boys who you've grew up with that you you maybe go for dinner and that with. And uh, but it's it's not a team game. It's it's a singular game. So you you, you can't do close because you, you you can be playing the guy the next day. And it's 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 tough. That is tough. It's been tough now. Yeah, it's tough. So, but yeah, have you ever been out with people you've been playing? out for dinner with people and you're playing them the next day and you try to get them drunk so to give you an advantage the following day. They've probably done it to me, Brian, and they've probably been saying... <laughs> uh, so that's, uh, that's... 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 Things. Yeah, listen, there has been times over the years when you've been away and you've, you've maybe not been professional, you know what I mean? You're, 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 you're away and you've you maybe had a few drinks when you shouldn't have been different things. And you, you obviously regret it, different things. It's been a long career, but it's, I think now when you're getting to the end of your career, 
I think it's as if you're taking it more seriously. Uh, well, I, I certainly haven't probably in the last 10 years of my career. It's probably not. It's probably not. No, I've not won more tournaments or whatever, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be more professional to try to stay involved or try to stay near the top of the game. Whereas I think when you're younger, you, you just think it's going to last forever. You think now you just keep playing and playing and picking up tournaments and tournaments, but uh, and as you get older, it's not it's not as easy. So I would probably say I'm probably a bit more professional in the last ten years of my career. What What did you think the last eighteen months or so? Obviously, you haven't travelled probably at all apart from UK. I mean, was that almost a blessing in disguise? Was it nice to not have a, a year where you were, you know, getting just getting someone to pack your suitcase every few days and fly off? Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't because we were, I was still having to travel to Milton Keynes every every like ten days, and obviously with the COVID restrictions, you, it, it was probably worse because you, you you could jump on a plane and, and fly to Germany. You could jump on a plane and fly to Belgium in an hour, whereas I was driving up and down like six and seven hours to, to Milton Keynes, and and for the Scottish boys, it was probably one of the worst years. Your snooker life, travelling wise, because uh, as I said, you weren't allowed to use any of the public transport in case if you did get the dreaded positive COVID test. Uh, there was obviously you'd probably have to self isolate in, in the hotel room in Milton Keynes, so you were allowed to obviously self isolate your own car and travel home, which I had to do in one of the tournaments when I tested positive. So, in a way, obviously you were staying on on like home soil, but it was it was tough for, for the Scottish lads, I would say, because we need the longest amount of hours to travel back and forth in the car. Just thinking, Brian, you were talking about nobbling your opponents by getting them drunk the night before. You you would have struggled to do that in your playing days when you've seen as everyone you were playing with and against was probably pissed anyway. Oh, that's an absolute scurrilous thing to be saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, were you out with some of them? Were you, were you out with some of them the night before, or what? What was well, no, but I've met evidence of all this. I've met some of them since, and I know What's I don't it? think they've changed much. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> no, and Tom McAdam and everybody been drunk here, Brian. You've got to tell me now that wasn't true. That no, I'll tell you the good thing about Tom McAdam though. He's he's a one. If you if he's a wonderful cap at fair. As he. Yeah, that was what he that was what he was before he was a before he became a full time professional football player. Right. So yeah, he, he lays a lot of carpet, yeah. Yeah, I can testify to that. Right. I'll need to get his number off you bye. <laughs> <laughs> people don't have they have carpets now. I thought it was all wooden floors that people have and uh, you, can't really have, you can't really have your snooker table on a, a carpet, can you? Or can you? Oh, it's- I know it's in the carpet. It's through there in the carpet. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, no, the wooden floor you can't because if you drop your cue, the, the cue can shatter, sort of thing. So I, it's, it's on the carpet. Very dated wooden floors, Brian. Oh, they are. Yeah, really, uh, oh, right. yeah I'd say I'm that's not really that. I'll have maybe we'll have to find an interior designer to have one to see if we can. I can do some research on. What is dear with regards to well, uh, soft furnishings, you know? Yeah, Mark, put a note in the book, uh, Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen, for the next episode. <laughs> well, you know some, see, so you must be there. Uh, well, you must watch all this stuff. Well, yeah, that's how I fill my days. Talking of watching television, um, Mark, you, you had a question, didn't you, for uh, which, which Brian actually uh, mentioned in his, in his last, last monologue bit. Yes. Now we've ribbed Chucky about his brief and unhelpful appearance on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire as Sir Alex Ferguson's phone a friend. But John, you've actually appeared on Celebrity Mastermind back in 2010, uh, and Brian's already referred to it, but your chosen specialist subject was? Dallas. Dallas. <laughs> now, which, you you find the... out some stuff, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> that begs the question, why? Are you a super fan? Oh, I was a massive fan back in the day. Aye, massive fan. I think it was just on like every Wednesday night or something back in the day, and you were Saturday. Was it Saturday? Was it that season? You should have been. You should have been down the. the, You should have been down the park underneath the chute, drinking, drinking, not watching Dallas. (laughs) I'll I'll be home in time after doing that to go to watch Dallas. 
Full to get in at nine o'clock. So just as I was coming in, before I went in for my Dallas was on, so I just became just fan I so massive fan. Yeah. Well, um, you did brilliantly in that round, scoring 13 points. Uh, and then came the general knowledge round. And this has to be one of my favourite all-time mastermind moments. Uh, you probably know what question I'm referring to here. Uh, um, I'll be John Humphreys, okay? Um, what popular pizza that shares its name with a famous work by Vivaldi is normally divided into four sections, each containing different toppings? Um, the answer is the four seasons. Um, you said... Four cheeses. Scrambled. <laughs> 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 really, was at that point it was scrambled. I think I just took in my whole surroundings, thinking I'm actually here on bloody mastermind, and and things weren't going so well. And yeah, my mind just went blank. So, in fairness, in cheese. fairness, there is a four cheese four cheese pizza is quite common. I mean, it's oh, just. That- it's obviously uh, just not that one, but I mean, you know, I'm partial to a, a quattro formaggi. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, it was a bad moment for me. Yeah, it was a bad moment. No, it's not. Be, you, you, I mean, like, I assume that maybe you watched Mastermind again when you were in your formative years. I certainly did in, uh, when it was uh, Magnus Magnuson who was, who was mm-hmm. asking the questions. And uh, yeah. never would I have imagined that 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 I would have been on been on that. Was it one of your all time dreams? As you know, when you were when you first started playing playing snooker, that you were uh, this was going to lead you to the, the mastermind chair and and uh, <laughs> another one as well, Mister and Misses as well. That's another. Uh, that, that was good. That, yeah. that, 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 I mean. That was brilliant. That, that, that really yeah, was. Was that team. not terrifying to be on that thinking? Well, if I don't get these right, um, like Matisse here, you know, that's me done. You know, nobody's going to pack his suitcase. Denise gets all the questions right, and you get none of them right. You know, is that you? Listen, honestly, Brian. Funny story because we, we were at my mum and dad's for Christmas dinner, and we were there, and, and I was there with Denise, and Jason was there with his wife Linda, and my, my little brother Joe was there with. We were one of his girlfriends and uh, played the, the, the Mr. and Mrs. board game. <laughs> like we, came, we came last, we did <laughs> so The grief I got in the car going home saying, like, I can understand maybe Grace and Linda beating us, but Joseph's only known the girl for a month today. I was be looking forward to getting down. I mean, obviously, it was, it was, it was for a great charity. Obviously, it's directly to hospice, and, and my dad now had been, been in there a few times now before he died. And so we were going down, obviously, hoping to God, but we could maybe try and win some money. And he won the 30,000. Now, that, it, was, it was a brilliant, brilliant moment. And we, we never get one question wrong. And people think it was uh, they gave us some of, some of the answers because we, it seemed as if it seemed as if it was, as if we were cheating because we were saying the exact same things, but it really wasn't. It was it was just totally totally luck that we, that we got everything we got everything right. So it was brilliant brilliant to win that sort of money for the charity. Well, you have what? known each other since you were teenagers, so you might have a chance. <laughs> but uh, but you wouldn't have thought so that that night my mum and dad says at Christmas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 
just when you're, you're talking about the other things about you know, comparisons and things that uh, with regards to me, I, I used to have people telling me all the time that that uh, my brother was a better player than me and indeed my, my sister was a better player than me. <laughs> and then, then my son was a better player and my daughter was a better player than me and I'm sure that, well, and I know what's happened because I've heard someone telling me in your family they were a better player than you, right? So it's just, this doesn't normally happen that way around, you know, but that's that's what happened. And what that leads me to is a, a, is a cracking little story, which doesn't really matter if it's true or not, it's, it's uh, from your dad. And I'm going to start using this story now as if it's my story, because um, because your dad knew Tommy Gemmell before he became a a player. Your dad had played a bit, and and the fact when Tommy Gemmell's there has a wonderful career at Celtic, a Lisbon Lion, revered by everybody apart from your dad, and he turns around and shouting over to the other Lisbon Lions, "Where's the hamper man?" Right, because that's, that's so- what that. Tommy was apparently he was the, he never got picked. If that's the, if I get the story right, right, nah, it was it was a story my dad's always told us that my dad was going down for a trial at Motherwell, and we, my my dad and Tommy again were just slipping Craig Newton, so they just walked. You, you know the road. They just walked down to to Motherwell, and uh, Tommy Gemmell would say to my dad, "Can I carry your boots in, Higgy?" Because my dad had his boots in like a like a a box, a wooden box. So my dad says, I come down, I'm going down to get the trial. So he went down, got the trial, he got in, signed my mother, uh, like the reserves and different things. And then that day when we were, we were at Glasgow Airport flying out for the Seville for the, when we played Porto 2003, and all the Lisbon Lions were there, and we got chatting to someone and and my dad was saying about Tommy Gemmel, where's Hamper Boy, where is he? And the Lisbon Lions were all saying, who are you talking about Hamper Boy? They say, Gemmel. He says he used to carry my boots. So <laughs> never, Tommy Gemmel never heard this, God rest him, until he was on the plane and all the rest of the players were, were slagging him off, saying, I didn't know you were a Hamper Boy when you were younger. And as it, as it so happened, we got off at Harris Airport and we went into the toilets and Tommy Gemmel just grabbed my dad Oh, Aggie, what have you been saying to them? All I got through that your flight was, I'm a fucking hamper boy. Fucking hell. <laughs> it, was, it was a surreal moment. It really was a surreal moment when you see the Lisbon Lions uh, and, and your dad and, and got to obviously know Tommy again a little, a little bit uh, and for him to tell us that story. Crazy, crazy. One of your heroes, Brian? Uh, John Stad, I didn't see John Stad play. Get <laughs> Tommy Gemmell, I meant. Uh, yeah, it was part of Lisbon Lions. I, I, I mean, I said I, I, I've had wonderful uh, times with uh, with uh, spending spending some time with all of them, listening to them telling stories, and uh, they're telling me the stories. You know, that, and I was like a one man audience, and it was a a, a fantastic experience because it's the reason why I'm. I'm I'm here. They have the reason why I'm I'm here doing uh, doing this now because I, I fell in love with football because of them. Uh, and yeah, they, they, they scores one of the goals in the in the European Cup final. But uh, and having met them and all that, they, they were all great, great characters and great people, and very humble as well. You know, there was that's a certain impression that I got from from all of them that I've met. Mm. But that story, I'm going to use that. <laughs> I, I like the way you're crediting the, the Lisbon Lions with the fact that you're now on the Life with Brian Bog- podcast. I mean, that's if it wasn't for the Lisbon Lions, I wouldn't be here now. I mean, that's, well, yeah, I mean, uh, that's something we can use some, in the future. The, for me, there's defining moments. I remember that vividly, the moment that that, that, that I saw that, um, you know, at, at primary school, I'm only five, sitting in the front, you all get you'll get marched in because you're this one of the smallest, you're near the front and you have to sit in the floor. There were chairs in Scotland at the time, but there were, it was, you just traditionally had to sit in the floor, you know, so everybody could see over your head, you know, with the cinema seats, but just because everybody was bigger. And uh, they shot these big, massive curtains on the stage. There was, there was this, this, this projector and a screen and the guy just come on and switched it on. And that was the highlights of the, the 67 game. In Lisbon, and I, I was, I, mean, I was for me that I was smitten. Then that I just want that's for me. I just thought that's I want to do that. That's I want to be. 
I want to be able to do things like that. I want to do that. That's that's what I want to do. So, no, it's the start of it, really. I mean, I've been kicking the ball around in the streets and different things, but that that, that love for the game and uh, that's never that's never changed. You know, all the way through the various different guises that I've been involved in it until now, where I, where I'm I'm a fan just now. I'm just a fan again. You know, and, and that that's that's wonderful. And sometimes because it, it doesn't go your way, you don't want to be. You love it. You don't love it. It's just you. You would eat to consider sometimes. Well, sometimes yeah, I don't really. Uh, if I didn't feel this way, that I wouldn't be uh, so pissed off sometimes about not just the. You know, I get pissed off sometimes when teams win because I don't think that they play the, the manner that I think they should be playing in. Yeah, so as a, unfortunately, unfortunately, it has various different effects on me post matches, you know. And I and I end up being playing watching the game, playing it, trying to play it. You know, if you do that, John, you're watching snooker games and different things, but I'm trying to anticipate uh what's going to happen next and what should happen next. And um, mm-hmm. fortunately enough I don't watch I suppose it's fortunate for me that um, I can I can express those things mainly at home. In the pop when I go out to watch the football, I don't really say very much. I'm not very not very animated. But I'm very much involved in it and very so I did get invited, you know, to an interesting establishment to go watch the game on Sunday, but I thought it would be a, it would be a, a not such a good idea. Not because I thought that uh, the the result was going to be negative for Celtic, but um uh, I just wanted to watch it in the in some privacy. I might go and watch the next game. I think I'll if the next game is at home, I'll be probably at that game. So you were saying to me the other day when we watched that Leeds, you know, United versus Leeds game in the, in the pub. You know, I mean, you were saying it sort of doesn't leave you uh, as the fact, you know, you're a fan and you, you've been a player now, you're a fan again. I wonder how common that is among players. I mean, you think you think sometimes when you become a player, you sort of lose that um, fan feeling, but you seem to have retained it. And and if anything, more passionate than you were. Well, I love, I just love football. I mean, the, the, maybe it's been, see, you get a kind of, um, a little bit of a review period, didn't we, when there was no sport at all, or no, certainly no live sport on because of the situation that we were living in. And then the first uh, the football that comes back, you you watch it because it's live football uh, and it's the game that you, one of the games that you love. Uh, and and then when the when the supporters are back, when you know that, that the game will change and has changed for me it has changed it's slightly different again because people don't and then John will PCS as well that Kevin played recently and then on the start of it I assume at the beginning of the of your tournaments there was no no punters John was there a very then there was very few wasn't there, there was a scattered amount and then and then for the the crucible there was full crowd wasn't there We're building up to a full crowd there was full crowd so must have made a difference to how your approach was and how your enjoyment of of the game is because part of that kind of thing for me the friction of it is the is the kind of I mean I don't I don't know I'm not, I'm not being to snooker but I, I assume that every now and again there, there might be some um, comments made from from people in the audience although it's maybe easier to pick them out and get them kicked out I don't I mean Jason by the way I'm talking about other people you know but when you go to watch football the reason you go to watch football is to, to, to be animated and shout and scream and square and whatever else it is but uh, most of what kind of did, was it a big change for you was it a, or was it just do you, do you just block the crowd out anyway well the thing is with, 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 with snooker you do you do a lot of your practice in the club environments when you were younger now, I think a lot, a lot of the other players now that they, they maybe play at home or they play in like little academy environments where maybe the, the the public are not coming in. It's just you and other professionals that are playing. So it's a pretty quiet environment. And it, but then when you go on to the tournaments, it still is a quiet environment. It only really, obviously, you get the clapping if you play good shots at the end of frames and different things, but. All in all, it still is a quiet environment. It's only really when it gets to the end of a match and you can feel the you can feel the tension for the fans. You can feel it building up, and then it, when it gets close, you can feel when you start missing shots, soon, those nas and different things. That's that's what you must think now when you get to the 
the, the nitty gritty, uh, an important frame, and different things. That's when you when the crowd become important and they, they play like a, a massive part in the excitement. But at the start of matches and different things, as I say that they've got to be quiet. I know that the Barry Hearn has been talking about thinking with some of the rules trying to make the crowd now like more engaging during the match and for them to make some noises, different things, but I don't know how you could do that. Like it's like at the darts and different things that, that it just seems to be like a cackle of an atmosphere all the way through a darts match. But that's probably the maybe the darts players have grew up in the pubs playing with each other and then and there's like a cackle of people shouting different things. Whereas in snooker, it's normally always been a lot more quiet and supposedly civilised or whatever. So it's, uh, but no, without a doubt, it's better, better that the fans are back in to, to enjoy it. And, and I think all the players, everyone, I'm glad the fans are all back, without a doubt. Uh, congratulations, John, on your 12th career 147 break in the first round at the recent British Open, which put you ahead of Stephen Hendry with only Ronnie O'Sullivan ahead of you on the all-time list. Uh, but as remarkable as that was, uh, your thunder was stolen a bit by the unusual scenario of two former partners being matched up, also in the first round, when Mark Allen narrowly squeaked past ex-girlfriend Rianne Evans in what was the tensest piece of television sporting drama I reckon I've seen in months, if not years. Um, I suppose you could call it the ultimate grudge match. Now, we're not going to pick over the state of their relationship, but I, what I want to know from you, John, is who would or has been your ultimate snooker grudge match? For me? His brother. <laughs> yeah, I know, Jason. I, uh, <laughs> nah, I've never really had, had that sort of hatred. <laughs> If, for, another, for another player, really, nah, I've never, I've never had that bit in me, no. So, as I, nah, I don't know who, who it would be, nah. A funny story would, would maybe be, uh, maybe be Alex Higgins. I mean, because the the first time, the first time I ever met Alex Higgins was I was in, I was playing Jimmy White in the quarterfinals of the British Open. I think it was my first year as a professional. And I'd won something like 10 or 11 matches to, to get to the TV stage. I'd won a couple of matches on the TV stage, but then coming up against Jimmy White, I was I was playing, I was playing the man instead of the table. So I thought I acquitted myself pretty well. I think I lost five three to Jimmy. And then I walked off after it. And Alex Higgins was there having a few drinks and he walked up to me. And I thought it was maybe going to say, unlucky son, you put up a good fight to Jimmy there, blah, blah, blah. And he just turned around to me and he says, I'll just tell you one thing. He says, there'll only ever be one Higgins in this game of snooker. I could not believe he'd actually said it to me and just walked away from me. So he was maybe under the influence of a few, a few drinks. So so ever since then, I thought oh, that was out of order. He shouldn't have said that. And then, so it was a shame in a way because he, he was beginning to, to lose in a lot of tournaments and he was turning up to qualifying matches and he was starting the same rounds as, as we were coming in as. And then there was one altercation he had with my dad one night that uh, I went to my bed early. I was playing the next morning. So my dad, we'd been out for a meal. So my dad, we'd go in and have a few drinks in the bar and then go up to bed. So this next morning, I've got a chap in, in the, the hotel door and there was this like... Uh, a Louis Copeland suit, Brian, if you've been over to Ireland, there's a Louis Copeland, uh, uh, a, a good Irish tailor, I think. He, he made a lot of nice suits. And uh, he said, Mr Higgins, we've got this, this uh, delivery for from for you from, from Alex Higgins. And I'm thinking, well, why is Alex Higgins giving me a suit? A beautiful blue suit, three-piece suit with waistcoat, trousers. So I'm thinking, I don't know why, because I've, I've never really spoke really two words to him really since then. So then I went down to breakfast and my dad was sitting there. So you always know if your dad's maybe had a couple of drinks the night before him. He was looking a bit sheepish and I said, eh, I said, Dad, I got a delivery there for Alex Higgins, a beautiful three-piece suit. He says, oh, did you? I says, aye. Eh, why, why, why was that? 
he says, ah, well, he, he came into the bar last night and he, he was throwing out challenge matches to you. I'm like, what? He says, yeah, he wanted to play you for 40 grand. <laughs> so my dad said, look, John's not got 40 grand, but if, if he did have 40 grand, he'd play tomorrow. So that's just your dad. Your dad's obviously backing you up every step of the way. But so it became like a, a few shouts and whatever. So I think maybe Alex has maybe woke up because my dad said he, he, he had a few drinks in him. And maybe Alex has woke up in the morning and thought to himself, what did dad do last night? Uh, maybe I shouldn't have maybe challenged young Johnny for a £40,000 grudge match. A challenge match, so he maybe gave it as a piece off him. So, but now you think now one of the legends of the game and different things like that. So, uh, uh, I suppose that would be a grudge match. I suppose. Talking about your your brother, I mean, Brian said it on this podcast, I think, before that he's he's claimed in the past that he was a better <clears throat> better player than you, but he basically spent all his time watching Brian playing for Celtic or following football and follow, going to away games and stuff. I mean, is that? Were you just more dedicated than him, and uh, you know, do you think if it came down to it, it would have been it would have been close between the two of you? <laughs> Who knows? We'll, we'll never we'll never know that. Uh, but that is so true. I mean, Jason, I was twelve. Jason was about 15, 16. He he was going out to he, he got a job, and he and he obviously just he loved following Celtic, loved going out with his mates at weekends, loved going to. Now, music festivals and different things. And then, obviously, I was still in an age where it was just the be-all and end-all for the likes of myself. Obviously, I still love watching the football and different things, but I maybe wasn't old enough to go on my own. And Jason just sort of fell away from it. Uh, so we'll never know. We'll never know. But he was a certainly a good player. He really was. He was a good, he was a good, good player. So what you're saying is you're not as big a dedicated, you're not as a dedicated Brian McClare fan as your brother, ultimately. That's what yeah, it comes no. down to. <laughs> <laughs> well, do that. No, do that. But it's just that Jason got that age where he could, uh, he could go and see, see and fly in the flesh. I mean, Brian, what about you in terms of football? I mean, there must have been an opponent or two that you laid awake at night thinking about wanting to get stuck into or, you know. No, grudge I mean, not, needle here and there or was it always a case of no, leave it on the pitch no and... it's part well you know it's more like you, you'd be looking forward to the game and particular games at places and I, I always loved I loved the uh, the atmosphere you get at away games so the, the game at Ibrox and on Sunday I, I relished that reveled in that uh, it was different in my time because there was some away, there was a way for quite a lot of away fans in in both stadiums for for old film games, you know. And, um, that for me was as much as the atmosphere can be created created quite well with one set of fans who are very very passionate about their team at home. There's nothing like the friction between fans home and away, particularly in big games like that. You know, we're going going to to play Rangers at Ibrox, um, going to Anfield to play Liverpool, going to Goodison to get battered by Everton, you know, leads away, these kind of things. I, I, I wasn't particular that, that there was any particular opponent, you know, those ones that you were, you'd be aware of different situations that uh, because the game was sometimes more, more physical, there were players with reputations that if you weren't kind of careful, you weren't looked after yourself, you could get injured. Uh, and that's just the way that, that it was in some situations then. So, but it's the same kind of thing is that you, you may well be quite affected by teams and particular players, but that changes over time and you, you kind of lose your, your, uh, Dislike for them, I suppose, and particularly when you meet them and knowing them different things. I mean, I, I certainly have known that having uh, met Ronnie Whelan recently for the first time in in, in a long time, um, and we, we had uh, ended up having a chat and a, a, a couple of beers together, and we got on very, very well. And he had the impression, probably quite rightly, for uh, the for whatever way I was portraying and whatever things I was doing, both on and off the pitch, that I was a twat. 
So that's that's acceptable, you know. And it was quite nice that he said, well, well actually, you're not a bad lad, you know. So kind of cuts both ways at times, you know. I, I was I was number, I think I was, when, when Tony Corton came from to uh, be second goalkeeper at Manchester United, he came into the dressing room, uh, Tony's uh, a, a reputation as um, as a tough lad as well as a good, very good goalkeeper. And one of the first things he said to me when he, when we were in the dressing room that um, uh, I was yeah well one of the things that Tony said to me uh, no it wasn't then sorry I don't know what happened then whatever impression things of 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 both that period of time because we got changed next to each other in the dressing room but when I came back to United in the coaching capacity TC told me that I was at the top of his list of people to batter when he finished playing football so he had a list of people. <laughs> <laughs> and I was top of it. I never asked him. I didn't ask him any of the details of it. Ah, this was like, oh, actually, I'm quite pleased about that, you know. Whatever, whatever it was, I had, I had done, you know. Whether it was that period of time, part of that period of time we spent as almost a season, I think, next to each other. Oh. I was going to say that. So that wasn't from when you played against each other. Was that from when you? Played oh no, I'm not saying it was. I didn't. I didn't question about it. Or it could have been. I, mean, I scored my first goal. Have a goal for Manchester United against Tony Cohen. Uh and I don't know whether, yeah, I could see myself being um, obnoxious on football pitch and face different reasons. Yeah, you know, I used to say some goalkeepers. I, I said to you know probably probably a bit unfair that when Chris Woods came to Manchester United as as part of the David Moyes staff, I, I went in to say hello to them all, and I said to Chris Woods uh, in front of. Uh, the other staff and all that because you just turned around a minute and when they said he just looked at me you know and I snuck he just turned around a minute and he, when he turned around I went oh I recognise you now <laughs> which probably so, you know is you probably put Chris, Wood, down, Chris Woods on that list of people that want to bat you uh, well I, yeah but it's it does there's, there's this there's this little devil in me that I, I've got this temptation and most of the time I couldn't resist it and I just just to just accept what the consequences are or are going to be. I do tend to resist that when I'm in pubs, you know, any random people, you know, because I might actually get uh, melted, as I would say, and the rest of Scotland, you know. But certainly it came down to my teammates and colleagues and things that I had no problem about just saying it, you know, because I just want to. I, I, I like to, have a, to be amused every day, John. I like to have a laugh at the joke. I'm sure you'll have playing the last of jokes with your with the uh, the the players who you both like and probably not don't like so much, uh, and you 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 get a bit of banter between you, particularly if the game goes back to that thing. You've got to spend an awful lot of time with each other. Mm-hmm. Maybe you spend more time with them, uh, and you do in hotel rooms and restaurants and various other scenarios. So for me, it was about entertainment, and a lot of the entertainment was coming from more imagination. So. And uh, there's several events that that um, I I'm mystified by that I did that I did to Alex Ferguson that that would uh, we we should negate the fact that I ended up spending 25 years really in his, his employment you know because some of the things that I did and attempted to do were were sackable offences both as a player and as a as a coach so. Um, is that because you is that because you didn't get found out or he no, just no 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 some eye? of them were pretty blatant like right in front of a man see there's some pretty blatant stuff there and yeah so, so the truth in the rumor that you were one of his favourites then obviously otherwise you'd have been shown the door uh, I think that part of it you I mean yeah that's how you analyse it you think well how did you get away with it well the only way I, I, I got away with it really was I was I was of use. Whatever that use was, you know, that there's, there's, there's as much as we all like to get treated the same, we don't all get treated the same, you know, and, and that probably became more, well, kind of highlighted to, to in a number of occasions because of of uh, when Eric came, you know, I think that became more of a very much, as I say, a big spotlight on on Eric and then on the, and the, and the things that Eric did. Uh, not that he was, he was being mischievously sort of playing daft jokes that like I was, but just um, 
um, that he was just he was treated differently. That that was that was probably the first real occasion of that that everybody could see. Maybe I maybe I got treated differently. It's, it's, you can't see from the inside, you know. So. That sack of yours is positively bulging at the seams again, Matthew. What's inside? Well, you, you can see from there. Um, right, let's have a look. And, oh, guess what? Guess who's at the top of the mailbag? It's Cumbrian Dave, uh, as reliable as ever. And he asked you, Brian, were any of your former teammates any good at snooker? Yeah, yeah. Well, well not even just that. We were good at snooker. Alex Ferguson was a good, as, uh, was a good snooker player. He was, uh, he was breaks of seven... And 80, so he's, he's, he's always had a, well, certainly the whole time he was managing Manchester United, he had a, a snooker table in his home. Yeah, he, he famously was, had that snooker table in his uh, house. He was a, a very good player, yeah. Um, I mean, I, there was a period that, when, when I was at Celtic, I used to go and play snooker in, in Cold Bridge all the time, nearly every every week. Is I that where you picked up your dirty tricks? yeah. Probably, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that called tactics? I mean, well, some some would uh, call it tactics. Yeah, there was there was a um, there was a few of them, but were decent. Yeah, yeah. They say that um, more. I remember that um, Alex Ferguson was one of the ones that was. What's your highest break? Can you remember? Mm, the twenties, I think, maybe yeah, thirty. Yeah. Did. You ever come across any talented snooker playing footballers, John, in your in your time, or uh, you've never had the privilege? Eh, uh, well, I uh, Frank McDougall, Brian. Oh, Frank, Frank, yeah. I Frank, Frank, uh, Frank, Frank was pretty good at snooker. Uh, I, I played him in an exhibition in Bury one night, uh, and I'm thinking, how do I know that guy's face? Because he, he, he put the beef on maybe a little bit, but obviously I'm thinking, I know that guy's face for somewhere. And obviously because he was a Scottish Celtic and Rangers when he was playing with, playing with Aberdeen at that time, wasn't he? Was it 85? Right. He yeah. was a great bowler. Uh, but got, got chatting to him in that eye. Lovely, lovely fella. A bit of a head case, but lovely fella. So, uh, aye, he's pretty good. I can, I can always remember, I was playing at the Masters, I think I was playing a Sullivan in the, one of the finals, I think it was. And I think he was pretty friendly with Gary Neville and David Beckham. I think they they turned up one of the rounds. I think he was he was quite friendly with them. But uh, but no, I've not I've not I've not played too many. Not played it's, too many. I think snooker is one of those sports that's sort of synonymous with football, isn't it? Like golf as well. It's one of those. Obviously, you've got a lot of time to kill in the afternoon if you're not in the pub, or you could still be in the pub playing snooker. You know, it's one of those things that. Maybe not these days, of course, but um, you know, back in the in the old the old generation, it, it, snooker and golf seem to be something that footballers turn to for uh, for a bit of um, relaxation. I think. So, I, I think maybe nowadays they're away in the private jets, maybe flying. Yeah. Well, I think playstations and and uh, and the like are taken uh, over from the snooker table. Snooker and uh, the bookies and different things. I yeah, yeah. Okay, and the second question out of the mailbag is from Craig LG, and he asks, here's one for you, talk about putting you on the spot. In what song or book does Brian think the main character could have been based on him, and what character in song or fiction would have liked, what he have liked to have been? Character in fiction? Yeah, so what song or book does Brian think the main character could have been based on him, and what character or song in fiction... Would you have liked to have been based on character in fiction? I'm, I'm going to choose um, Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> Gandalf the Grey. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure which way I'm yet. I'm not quite sure what colour it is at the moment, but yeah, I can't make it Gandalf the Grey. And what was the, what was the other part? Sorry, Matthew. Well, a song. So, uh, what song or book does Brian think the main character could have been based on? him so I mean a character in a song a song about somebody I suppose no, um, there's, there's no there's never been a song or a book that's been written that's been that boring no so okay then so the second part of his question is which song or yeah, fictional character would you have liked would you have liked to have been Gandalf 
you know, to go for Gandalf the Grey. And in, and in terms of song, a song that I would like to. Well, a character, a character in a song, or a song character about. in a song. Um, <laughs> the card cheat and the clash. Very good. Unfortunately, he gets shot. I'm thinking Hustler, something like that as well, yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. You're looking a bit like that thing, Brian. What is that that, uh, musical? Was it the one with uh, Good Looking Fella? Who who was a a musical? uh, Who's the girl? Who's the girl? I look like a girl. Did you, what was the duet they were singing? Oh, what do you call her? She's not the best looking, but there's something there's something about her that's quite good looking. It's a musical. What it was the film? Oh my god! Oh. It's like a game of charades. <laughs> You're not when thinking Lady this? Gaga, right? Lady Gaga. Who, who, who was she? Who was who was she playing opposite? Who was the guy? Bradley Cooper. Uh, Bradley Cooper. There's a Bradley Cooper look about you today, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that, yeah, okay. I'll have that, yeah. yeah, yeah add that one yeah. to the list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you could. <laughs> John, John, <laughs> I, I strongly urge you go get an eye test before your next tournament, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we don't. We're not going to let you off the hook there, John. You know I mean, any fictional character that you uh, you'd you'd like to have been based on, or G- yeah, I mean, who do? Yeah, well, that would do me. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> But was, to, it, was that not real? I thought Dallas was a documentary. <laughs> yeah, that must have happened. Eh? Two bottles of champagne a day. That man done apparently now before getting into filming. That must have been. That must have been good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, that's it then. We've cleared the table, ready to rack up another day. Uh, a big thanks to John for coming on the podcast. John, thanks very much. I hope it's been okay. No, I loved it. Thanks very much for having me on. Cheers, in. Brilliant. Good luck for the season. We'll be keeping an eye on how you do. And hopefully another world title in Sheffield next May. Well, be here soon. We'll, we'll give it a best shot. Give it a best shot. Brilliant. Uh, Chucky, Matthew, a pleasure as always. Thank you very much. Thank sir. you. Thank you, John. Cheers, Brian. Thank you. Cheers, Matthew. Yeah, Cheers, no problem. Cheers. Great. Thanks for listening. Keep subscribing across all the main podcast platforms, including YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Google, etc. And follow us on Twitter at Brian McClare Pod for news of future episodes, mailbag entries, and whatever else you want to send our way on the internet. Uh, that's it. We're all off for a game of killer. See you soon. Life with Brian. Life with Brian. Talking films or music. Life with Brian. Talking TV and food. Life with Podcast Network. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For ninety dollars more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For one hundred and thirty more, you'll be a swole member, and for just three hundred dollars more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.